Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. Uh, I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and uh, former client, uh, Chris Walker of Sav Media. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to meet everyone. Hey, Lisa, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, we're, I know that there are lots of things that we've been exploring we could talk about, but what we landed on that we want to talk about really, I think, is the heart of what you have uh, gone after, which is the future of fandom and what fandom actually means I want to get into, as well as why it matters to you, given your background, both as a brand strategist and creative director, but also originating as a colorist at DC Comics um, uh, and, and a comic book designer, author, creator uh, yourself. So um, I'd love to just start with um, what is fandom? <laughs> I think it's an important one. Sure. I mean, I think when people think about fandom, there's a couple of different ways the word is is rooted in fanatic, right? So that idea that you like something so much that you're kind of taken to this different space. I think, you know, other times people think about fans, they think about either sports fans or music fans, comic book fans. So again, that kind of fandom. Uh, kind of brought in. I think for me, fandom is just anybody who's excited about something uh, to the point where it moves you. Um, you have an inordinate amount of activity around it. So you can be in a fashion and collect shoes. You can be a foodie and go to, you know, offbeat, you know, restaurants. I mean, you, you could be a fan of like your local bartender and, you know, Thursday nights, that's the only place you go to because you're a fan of that person and you enjoy the conversation. So I think fandom in that way, you know, you just really like something, you like talking about it, you like exploring it, you like sharing it with other people. But I think one of the biggest things that, you know, I think a lot of people agree on is there's an identity piece, right? So even like that local bartender, it's like, oh, you're you're a fan of so-and-so. I love when they're there too. Like we should hang out, you know, when they're there. So I think that to me is is really like what drives fandom. I, I love everything that you've just said, and it sparks so many questions. And one is, you know, I think about when you talk about identity, and of course, I tell people all the time, you know, I wrote my thesis back in the late 90s, my college thesis on identity politics, you know, and self versus other and the ways in which we identify. And we create these kind of tribes, right? Whether those are based on the color of our skin or our ethnic heritage or our religious heritage or our class or our education, there's so many or our gender or you know, our sexuality. Black shirts. We're we're a black shirt tribe right now. We're, we're, the, we're the black shirt tribe. We, 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 we both work in marketing and advertising, so. Exactly. <laughs> and, and those things that define us, you know, in some way or that we identify with, that bartender is a great example. In some way, they create an immediate community, right? right. And so there's this identification of self in the other of that community. And I think one of the things at Sav Media, which I'd love to give you a chance to talk about, and Urbanime, which is your premier title um, under Sav Media right now, really is about this inclusivity, 
you know, and uh, of the identity and being able to kind of tell authentic stories in your case that, you know, reference the multicultural experience of America, especially for black and brown uh, communities. And, and this is something when we talk about the bartender, it's like, it's a self-identification, but there is this othering that happens with some communities where the storytelling isn't authentically representative. So will you talk to me a little bit about how like representation and it kind of fits into this whole concept of fandom? Sure. Uh, so some of the, and I agree with you on <clears throat> microtribes and how that works and how they form. You know, one of the things I think a lot about, you know, is those tribes, those communities, you know, the role storytelling plays in it, the role identity plays. I think, you know, there's a large part of communities where you have a shared belief or a shared story. You know, if you think about Seth Godin and, you know, tribes and, you know, the idea that, you know, we want to buy from brands that have the same belief as us, right? And we want to participate with other people who have the same belief as us. So I think when you think about it that way, as the heart of tribes, you know, and you can call it different things, but that community or that group, you know, there's storytelling that happens, right? We are this type of group. We have this type of community. We have these types of rules. If you break these types of rules, these are the things that happen. If you leave the community, these are the things, right? So story is like a really big part of that. And then the ability for story to create identity and share identity. And even as a marketing tool, right? So if you think about that community or tribe, right? They have to grow and story is a way that you do it. So you're saying like, hey, we're this community. This is our belief set. This is what we want to do. If you have the same thing, you should join us, right? So you can see that connection between community, storytelling, you know, and then identity. And so the better you get at that storytelling, the more you can attract more people, you know, to your group. And that's before you put any, you know, socioeconomics, you know, ethnicity, you know, race and politics, you know, from what I've seen, that's just kind of how things work. I, um, <clears throat> you know, originally uh, was a big comic book fan and a big hip-hop fan, and then I worked in skateboarding industry out in California. I worked on the Cyrus Shoes during the heyday, if anybody remembers, like uh, the Storm DVD and the D3 and the Moon Boots. So I was working out there, and I was like, oh, this is like really interesting. And, you know, I didn't have the words for it at the time. I didn't call it cultural anthropology. I was just like, hey, I'm a comic book fan, big, you know, fan of that. You know, I'm a hip-hop fan, you know, as we would say back in the day, I'm a hip-hop head. And like all these skate kids are the exact same, right? It's like, but replace skating or replace comics with skating, but there's still like these groups and these subgroups and likes and dislikes. And if you break a rule, you get in trouble. And here's the way that we express, you know, uh, what we like and what we're into with that. So I think, you know, when you think of it that way, that's a lot of what happens in, in all those groups. Story is a big part of that. Storytelling is a big way that you, you know, kind of say who you are and talk about, you know, what you're doing. And so that's why I think it's really important to understand, you know, this idea of fandom really just from a marketing communications brand strategy, right? Like it's something that you can use, you can lean into, or it's something that's happening that if you're like, oh, I don't really understand why this is working. You know, there's culture-based marketing, but then are you having a conversation with your fandom? Have you thought about your fans? Are you thinking about how they're talking about your brand? And then, like I said, you can layer other things into it. So if you're thinking about, 
black and brown audiences, you know, the communities that they're creating, you know, the storytelling that they have, the fandom that they have either around your brand, around culture, around themselves, are you interacting with that and how are you doing so? How are you thinking about it? Well, I love all, I mean, there are lots of, lots of, um, threads that I can pull on in what you've just said. I want to think about this from a marketing perspective, first and foremost, even though it's not, but you've, as a marketer, you've brought it back to that time and again. And this is in some ways about the marketing funnel, which is really, it, it, when you get down to the bottom of the marketing funnel, there's a loyalty and an advocacy element. And that's kind of the realm of fandom, right? I mean, one could replace loyalty and advocacy in the, you know, in the, in the, in the brand pyramid with, with this idea of fandom. And so when you're a brand and you're trying to communicate or build a fan base um, or, you know, and you think about a sports franchise or you think about, you think about hip hop artists, you know, you think about Beyonce right now with the new album that she just released, for instance, there is a fan base that has been cultivated the bigger the name, right. the bigger the the franchise, obviously, the 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 bigger the input into your marketing funnel. So therefore the bigger the loyal and advocate base is. But that fandom, if you are speaking to them, they are really on that audience targeting, just again to marketing again, they are your aspiration, right? They are right. your everything. And they're the ones who influence otherwise. So when you think about fandom in that sense whether it's about a shoe brand or a booze brand or uh, a, a way of life, a culture, as, as, we're, as we're talking about through Urbanime, for instance, right? This is really, I think, if I'm understanding you correctly, the heart of how you're thinking about fandom. It's about yeah. cultivating community. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's, you know, that community and identity piece again, you know, those three things, how they relate to one another. I was looking at a little bit, um about fandom there's kind of this you know and fandom is very big in sports the sports community understands it very well uh taking that person who may be like a casual you know uh consumer of sports and really trying to turn them into a heavy consumer just to use a lot of marketing jargon um but you know you're really trying to take someone from awareness to attraction to attachment to allegiance and you know from what i understand with sports, you're trying to get someone to go from I watch a game to a little bit to say, like, I am a, you know, I worked with the Bulls, so I am a Bulls fan. That is my identity. So taking someone from, hey, basketball is okay, or I only watch basketball with my friends, and it's a social thing, to eventually saying, like, I am a Bulls person. This is part of my identity. This community or this tribe, you know, is how I see the world. And so to your point, <clears throat> you know, with you know, SAV Media, you know, we're a collective of black and brown owned um, media companies. We're really focused on comic books as a way to have a conversation with the black and brown community. Uh, we think of comics as this really incredible conversation that you can have. So for us, comics is more than just a, a publication. You know, we think of it as comics experiences or transmedia or you know, there's a lot of different terms, 360, omni-channel, but just this kind of multiple touch point that you can do and having a comic book at the center of that. And so if you think about that comic book, not only is it telling a story, but it's expressing identity, it's talking about values. Uh, you get to, you know, learn from a story that group gets to have something that it can express itself, market itself with, right? So if you have a really cool comic book, I'm a Spider-Man fan, 
you know, I like other Spider-Man fans most of the time, you know, unless they're too into Clone Wars and then we have a problem. And if you know that, great. If not, it just talks about how things uh, kind of break down into the various levels of fandom. But that's to say, you know, there are a lot of opportunities um, therein. And so with Urbanime, which is my imprint inside of the collective. And it's spectacular. Really focused... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So uh, we're really focused on comic books as a way to express and tell stories of black and brown audiences and the culture itself. So a lot of times when you hear, you know, someone say the culture, you know, sometimes they'll mean hip hop, sometimes they'll mean urban, but it's really this idea of this kind of cultural output of, you know, lived black and brown experiences. And one of the things that we did early on was to figure out we can make up heroes but there are also heroes in the community itself. And one thing that we know about urban culture in the community is that, you know, we like being fans of things, right? Like we like being into stuff, we like brands, but we're also a fan of ourselves, right? Like we're a fan of our culture, we're a fan of our heroes. And so as we started pulling those things together, we saw this really tremendous opportunity where it's like, hey, you know, as we launch and as we start, what if we focus on being fans of the culture itself and what we call out the box urban fandom, where we just kind of connect the dots. So if you are into, let's say hip hop, and we're trying to do something about science, because comic books speak well to science with powers, gadgets, cool technology, then that gives us the, uh, the ability to have a conversation about Grandmaster Flash, how he invented the crossfader how he was most likely, you know, um, you know, kind of like a technology nerd, right? And then he was into science. So in that moment, we've connected so many different communities. So you could enter that from a STEM standpoint or an engineering standpoint, you could discover, you could discover Grandmaster Flash. And then at that moment, you could have a connection to old school hip hop or vice versa. You could be an old school hip hop fan you could really want to hear more of this story, but then it connects you to this larger world of STEM. And so as you can see that storytelling, that idea of community, that idea of fandom is something that we really like to leverage a lot uh, at our Vaname and then really across the collective um, as I work with the different brands and storytelling. Again, there's so many threads to pull on. I want to I want to look at a couple of things. One is when you just mentioned all of those references, right? Again, you come back to your original roots, what you said is like kind of cultural anthropology. And this is when you, when, when there's a lot of talk right now about representation in front of and behind the screen, right? Yeah. Um, in, in media. And you talk about transmedia, I know a lot. And in this case, transmedia is that omnimedia, it's multiple touch points, it's enveloping an audience or a, an audience of singular. I would right. even push back to marketers and say, it's already the world that people live in. Absolutely. It's your opportunity to think about how you can be part of it. One of the things I say is your grandma, we're, we're all transmedia producers. We're all transmedia consumers. Your grandmother's a transmedia producer. The moment she sends you a text about the family getting together, posts pictures of the baby that just got born online, gives you a call, and then like something, your mom you know, or your grandma is a transmedia yeah. producer. And so as communicators, whether you're a marketing communicator or a storytelling communicator, this is the world that we all live in. And so how are you embracing it? Or what parts of it are you choosing to focus on while still having a context of that's where we live? 
And I think that's, it's great. It's, it's a great point because of course, transmedia, omnimedia, whatever is like, it's, it's here, as you just pointed out, it's already here, but it is the way in which of course, brands again, whether you are a movie franchise. And I think about like Halle Berry being the new little mermaid and the talk that there is about, you know, representation in the princess world, you know, for, for young girls, for instance, I think about like, the whole Game of Thrones franchise that exists right now and what's happening there or the Lord of the Rings or the DC comics or the Marvel or whatever. There are these universes, right, that exist, um, many of which come out of comics or animation, which yeah. is interesting. And perhaps because there is such an opportunity for that re that cultural reference that you talked about actually in Urbana May and in all of the storytelling that Sav Media's kind of collective is putting together. So I'm curious as we think about fandom, coming back to the future of fandom, we know it's omnimedia. We know it's much more inclusive, if we will. You talk a lot about geek media or nerd media and even like, you know, how do we do that? Is all fandom in some ways innately nerdy or geeky? Because if you're a fan, you're like that deep in it. Do you like what what do you what do you think is like, is that innate to it? And is that part of the future? Is that we all kind of start self-identifying as, as nerds. I, I always say everybody's a nerd about something. You just have to talk to somebody long enough to find out what they're nerdy about, right? Like if you're a sports fans and you're talking stats, you're a nerd, you know, you just might be a little bit more popular because your thing is more mainstream. And, you know, I get to, I get to rub it in a little bit. It used to be more mainstream and now Marvel's like the biggest thing ever. So, um, you know, props to Marvel. Um, but, you know, I think that we all, um, we're all fans about something. And I think it's finding what that fandom is. And does that work for you, you know, as someone who's into marketing communication, I think as far as representation goes, I think there's a lot of opportunities for brands to have this conversation, see that transmedia or that omni-channel or that 360, where's that person in the middle? How are they having these conversations? What are they talking about? What are they fans of, right? It, it is definitely more complex. It's more rewarding. I look at it as the multiverse, right? So I might be kind of into something over here that has its own kind of immersiveness to it, but I might be deeper over here. But you can also talk to me across multiple things that I'm into. And, you know, I, I feel bad for channel planners and, you know, People as we get into like, the metaverse now too, right? Right. And yeah, and people who are context marketers uh, or context strategists, but, you know, it's just kind of the reality that we live in. But I think, you know, understanding that there is an opportunity with fandom to talk to whomever you're talking to is there. And as far as representation goes, I think one of the things we talk a lot uh, about at SAV and Urbanime is it's actually not representation. I think what we're really looking at is misrepresentation. I think a lot of times when you're, you know, a black audience or a brown audience, you know, and there is good representation. So I'm not going to say that there's not, but, you know, oftentimes it's like, that's not how I would have said that, or that's not really coming from, you know, my culture or my community or my lived experience. And so I think what you're going to see more and more of is black and brown audiences finding these worlds, finding these fandoms that they can be part of or fandoms that they are the center of because of the community, communities that they're in and spending more time there. And so as any communication professional, you just have to do your homework. You know, I talk a lot about the peer wall 
which is the wall that you have to earn your way through. You know, back in the day with the, you know, TV industrial complex, you could just put an ad out. People would watch it. Now, you know, you've got to get through memes. You've got to get through snaps. You've got to get through TikToks, TikTok. right? And you have to literally earn your way through. So my question to anyone who is communicating is, how are you earning your way through that peer wall? And I definitely think fandom is one of the ways to do it. I definitely think this kind of omni-channel storytelling is one way to do it. So for instance, you know, if we were to do a partnership with, you know, let's say JVC or, you know, uh, electronic, you know, um, you know, goods company, right? Yeah, uh, stereo equipment. Space, stereo equipment, right? Imagine the conversation that you now get to have with that idea about Grandmaster Flash, right? So imagine if you're JBL, we could talk about the history of JBL speakers in the Black community and with hip hop. We could talk about the legacy of Black innovators. We could also talk about the Black community not getting to own their IPs. And then you could have a CSR play where as JBL, maybe you help people get patents. Look at how you've become part of that world in an instant just as one company in one moment with one piece of storytelling with representation, because now you're having that community. And, and, and you're educating. I think one thing, and, and we're at time, so I want to wrap up, but one thing that you've just mentioned that I think was a key part of the work that we did together also, which is to your point, it's not about representation or even mis, you know, overcoming misrepresentation. It's not about the nerd culture, but this fandom idea and that we started here, which is kind of the identity and community is about uplifting, right? And kind of like building towards a shared future. And what you just mentioned with like the JBL example, um, you know, hypothetical example, is that in fact, there is an educational element and a building of a bridge between these different cultures, these different communities, these different identities, and building a fan base out of that, that actually affirms, I think, affirmation is a big piece. Yeah. It's, it's affirming to the identity of those fans. So is that maybe what we could end on, Chris? Like, would you agree yeah. or disagree? And I would say tapping, yeah, and I would say yes, and even tapping into that fan base, right? Like there's a fan base of hip hop music, but inside of that, there's a fan base of JBL, right? And so I think it gives you the ability to do these things, right? And and I would even push the idea of uplifting. I would say uplifting in the sense, especially for brands to be a platform where other people get to tell their story and you know, the role that brands can play especially in this new world is not being the protagonist i know a lot of times at agencies it's like oh how do we make that you be the hero and it's like you can be the hero by not being the hero by being the sidekick by understanding that everybody is the hero in their own lives and that you get to be that trusted person along the way and then if you can use your resources to uplift those stories in that way you know, give that space, give that platform. You create you know, a fan base that is that feels loyal and authentic to to you in that way. Yeah, yeah. And my my favorite example is Lego. Right, Lego had this amazing community of older builders who loved Lego, never got past it. You know, and Lego didn't know what to do with it for a long time. But they're like, we're not going to touch it. We know it's there. We're focused on kids, and I forget their name. But one person was like, Hey, I have a plan on how to work with this community. And that's where the Lego professional builder set um, came about. 
and they really leaned into that fandom and look at how it's transformed the company. Totally so, transformed the company. I love that example. Um, and I love Lego as a closing for, for fandom because it <laughs> certainly it has stood the test of time. Uh, Chris Walker of Sav Media and Urbana May, thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ to talk about the future of fandom. It's it's totally fascinating and we just scratched the surface. Definitely. And it's good to see you again too. Always good to see you. Um, everyone watching or listening, um, check out uh, Urbana May. Uh, Chris, where's the best place to uh, to see it? On, on Instagram probably is my favorite. Yeah, I think Instagram has a lot of good stuff from us. So it's U-R-B-A-N-I-M-E. So like Urban I-M-E. So Urbana May. And then you can go to savmedia.com, S-A-V-V. M-E-D-I-E, sabmedia.com to see the collective. And then you can also go to urbanime.com. And, you know, we have some of our things that we call a mixtape, which are comic book magazines. So if you can imagine like a culture magazine, but instead of photography, we use comic book illustrations to tell the stories and have original comics. And then, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. You know, we have original comics as well. So I love it. it. It's And it's be it's truly beautiful work. Um, and it talks to all the things that we've talked about in fandom today. Um, anyone watching or listening who doesn't already subscribe, make sure you do. You can do it at YouTube if you prefer video or anywhere you get uh, your podcast if you prefer to listen to audio. You can also, of course, make sure that you visit futureadventureof.xyz or follow us on Instagram. We look forward to doing it again soon. And thank you for joining us. Chris, again. For sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.